of the Daily Walk. I'm your host, Wayne Clevenger, and I hope you had a great Sabbath yesterday. We had a good day, and I'm hopeful that you did too with expectation and reception of the Holy Spirit. And today, and if we're in Ephesians, it's six chapters long. We're going to go through it all. It's not very long. And Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus to remind them who they are in Christ. They kind of, you know, they're new believers and they have all this ability in the power of the Holy Spirit living within them. And he just wants to remind them, hey, hey this is who you are in Christ, you know. They're Gentile believers. They are people that were once looked down upon because they're not Jewish, so to speak. And if we put that into today's realm, it could be someone that is new to the church that used to live a less than acceptable lifestyle, but has now come to Jesus and has this same Jesus that all the church people had, the churchy people had, or have, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, in who, whoever. And Paul's going to bring that to light. So when we read him talking to Gentiles, you know, I always like to look at that as, you know, that was me. You know, I was one of those heathens. I was one of those people that the churchy people looked at and looked down upon because I didn't do what they do. I didn't go to church like they went to church. I didn't do the things that they do, you know, and that's really what the Jews are doing with the Gentiles. Well, you're not circumcised. You don't practice our our rituals. You don't do our sacraments, so you're not worthy. You're not worthy, and... uh. In fact, Paul says, no, God chose you from the beginning. And so when we see that in the text, uh, Ephesians 1 verse 4, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. That's not predestination. That's not saying, you know, he's already made up who he's picking. That simply says that God, when he created the world, he created us for relationship. But it's up to us to decide if we're going to be in that relationship or not. He doesn't force it on us because we'll see later in the scripture where God wants that relationship so bad that he is not being slow to return. He's hoping more will join into that relationship 
because he chooses us. He wants us to be in a relationship with him. So when you see that about God chose us and, you know, he knew from the beginning he wanted us to be in relationship to be in relationship with him. It's not saying that he's, he's already determined who is and who isn't because he truthfully wants everybody. But the fact is not everybody wants in because they want their own way. And so, you know, I don't know. You know, it's like if we go to the hospital and we need treatment, there are many that leave the hospital without treatment. We call that AMA, Against Medical Authority, and they just leave, even though we know full well that if they don't get the treatment, it could be detrimental to their health. And for a lot of us who turn our back on Jesus, we know that could be detrimental to their spiritual health. We know it will be in the end so it's all how you perceive it and a lot of people try to twist it into something that it's not and Paul Paul writes about that so he, he first starts out with that we're all called and he tries to remind them and this is the plan At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit when he promised, whom he promised long ago. So he's just reminding them, hey, he's there for you. He wants to be in relationship with you, and he wants you to know that you have that power. So... Paul's praying for them that the power they have, they'll remember they have. And then he puts this on them. The church is his body. And the church is the body, and it's made complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. So the church is Christ's body. He's the head of the church. Ooh, think about that. So that kind of dispels this. I hate the church, but I love Jesus. Well, the church is a part of Christ. So if we're going to love Jesus, then somewhere we've got to get into the church. And I was that person for a long time and used that to keep myself out of the church. And the Lord said to me, for real, you can't let others determine your eternity. You've just got to be determined not to be those others because I need you as part of my body. And so I've really tried to stay away from that pharisaical mindset of the church as best I can. And sometimes you're in the midst and you don't want to be, but you can still be love. And we're going to see that in here in, as Paul writes, because he reminds us that it's through grace that you are saved. You're saved by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this because it's God's gift. 
For here's what he wants you to see in me. We are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. See, when we're not in Jesus, the things that he plans for us to do in Jesus, we can't do because we don't have Jesus in us. And he reminds us, you know, when you weren't in Jesus, you were considered those uncircumcised heathens. And this is the part I really relate to, you know, because, you know, people that knew me before Christ, I'm sure they were calling me the uncircumcised heathen. And maybe not using the word uncircumcised, but they were using the word heathen, I'm sure. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that before their life before Christ, I can think of a couple of my friends, they were probably labeled as heathens. The bad thing is we use, we label people. <laughs> you know, I did a sermon one time about labels because somewhere we got to drop the labels and just love people and see them as souls. Because Paul continues that Christ himself brought peace to us. He united us, Jew and Gentile. That's that's the saved and the unsaved, the unsaved that come to know Jesus, the ones that used to be heathens that changed their life for Christ and come to know Jesus. He united us into one people in his own body on the cross. He, he, that breaks down the wall of hostility that separates us. So if we were once heathens and we come to know Jesus, there should be no more separation. We should be able to walk into church and there's not us and them. Well, those are the guys that used to live this way. There's no use to. That wall of hostility is broken. And that wall of hostility in this verse refers back to when the veil was rent in two at the cross when Jesus was crucified as well, gave up his spirit and died on the cross. That wall of hostility is gone. We are no longer separated. We should be one in the body of Christ. He brought us together at that moment. And we should not be singing anything else, but I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God because these people are part of the 99. Woo! I became part of the 99 when I finally gave my gave up my heathenistic life and came into the realm of Jesus. And that's what he's saying. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. But the sad thing, folks, and you know it as well as I do, that's not always the case in the church. I can think of many churches where you can look at the seating arrangement and that hostility remains because it's us and them. And that's a sad thing. We have to get past that. How will, I'm going to say it again, this is my soapbox forever. How will the world ever become united if the church remains divided?
the world just plays off of what the church does. We can say separation of church and state all we want, but the world is just watching. What's the church doing? And they see infighting, they see division, they see all the stuff, but yet we're supposed to be united in Christ. And yet the world sees, yeah, they're not so united. And so they play off of that. When we could really change the world if we really show we are united in Jesus Christ. We are the soldiers of the cross. We don't wrestle flesh and blood. Yeah, that's what Paul's going to tell us. Because now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Together, we are his house, built on a foundation that the apostles and the prophets started, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We're carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple of the Lord. That's what we got to remember. That's what we got to live by. That's what we got to display. That's what we got to get past. It's not about who does what, not who's been where, not who. We all have a history. Regardless of how long we've been in the family, it's getting in the family that makes us that good because we have the power. He started the whole book of Ephesians out with, remember who you are, you know, and I think about uh, Mufasa telling Simba that, you know, when Mufasa's speaking down from the heavens, remember who you are. Can we just think about God telling us that? Remember who you are. You're his creation. You're his masterpiece. So let's be his masterpiece as one body. There is no hostility. He created us one through the cross. That hostility was broken when he died on a cross for us to unite us as one. There's no more separation. He brings us together. And we are both a part of the same body and we enjoy the same promise and blessings because we belong to Jesus Christ. That's what he continues in, in chapter three. And by God's grace and mighty power, he gives us the privilege of spreading this word. And because of that same power, we can now boldly and confidently Go into God's presence. Ooh, that's so huge. And here's a verse we have to remember. We got to write this one down somewhere. You know, if you're listening in the car or on the phone or, or through your phone or at work or something, jot this down, take your phone and, and put it in a, a text to yourself or a memory. Ephesians 3.20, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. God is able to do so much through you, through his great power in you. Because he lives in you. And we don't even, re we got to remember who we are in him for that to take place. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. And Paul says, amen. And so he continues in chapter four with, we got to 
for all that to take place, we got to have unity. We got to have unity. We got to be united, not divided. And he says, lead a life worthy of your calling for you've all been called by God. And that, you know, we think, well, I'm not called because I'm not a pastor. Yes, we are. We're all called. We're all called to be his messengers, to be his light. When we give our lives to Jesus, our calling is to be the light to others who don't know yet, to reflect the Holy Spirit in us to others so that they will say, hey, man, what do you got? Because you make a difference. And we have to allow, always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of our love. That's our love that we have for Jesus and our love that we have for each other. That's Jesus' love. That's unconditional love. That's love that says, I know we make mistakes. I forgive. I'm going back to Matthew 6, 14 and 15. If we forgive each other, then the Lord will forgive us. But if we don't forgive, then our God in heaven won't forgive us. That's huge. If we make allowances for each other's faults, and realize we're not perfect, but realize where we came from, realize how we've progressed, realize where we're going, then we will have reflected the love of Jesus and that helps us stay in unity. Because he says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit binding yourselves together with peace. Just keep the peace, man. For there's one body, one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. Because there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Man, that's absolute. That's absolute peace. That's absolute truth. That's absolute love and salvation. Woo. That's good stuff. That's Ephesians 4 through 6 in chapter 4. Man, that's good stuff. And so it tells us we got to live like that. We got to continue being the light because we need to do that because we got to continue to come in unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son and be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ in all that we do. And we have to do that by speaking the truth and love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is ahead of his body and the church. Did you catch that? We have to speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ who is ahead of his body, the church. We have to speak the truth in love. How do we speak the truth? That means not with anger. That means with compassion. That means with good communication. That means 
with empathy a lot of times. That means with understanding and making allowance for each other's faults because of your love, going back to the second verse. That means without being accusatory, (laughs) speaking the truth in love like Jesus did. We have to speak Jesus. Man, that's huge. He's really pushing the unity factor here. Isn't that good? We have to try to speak Jesus. So he goes on and says, Since you have heard about Jesus and learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature. That's how we're going to be able to speak Jesus because we got to throw off our sinful nature and our old way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. We have to instead let the Spirit renew our thoughts and attitudes. And remember in Galatians of chapter 5, starting verse 19, we had that checklist. Man, I would mark that too in your Bibles. Galatians 5, starting on 19, I think it's through 22. That's the checklist. Am I, did I throw off my old life? Am I living in the spirit? Let me go check that out because if I'm not living in it, then I need to do it. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. That's how we're going to be able to speak truth in love. That's how we're going to be loving. That's how we're going to be able to make allowances in love. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. Anger gives a foothold to the devil, and so many of us have issues with that still where we we just let it linger. And I always say, don't let it fester because that's Satan, man. When Satan gets a piece of that, he just makes it snowball, and it, and it gets us. Ephesians 4.29, I love this. this. I always talk about how I used to print this out and put it on the dash of my ambulance when I was working the street. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. That's huge. Another version says, don't use, let no unwholesome talk come from your mouth. Only that which is good in building others up. You know, I think that's the NIV version. That's huge. Because he says, don't bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit by the way you live. Man, if we're we're angry all the time and we're using foul and abusive language, that's not of God. That's rooted in hate. God wants us to be rooted in love. So he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander as well as all types of evil behavior, because that's not rooted in love. That's rooted in evil, which is of Satan. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. That's the big thing. If we, re- I mean, you can mark this too, Matthew six fourteen and 15. Forgive each other as Christ has forgiven you. Because in Matthew six fourteen and 15, it pretty much rely, we have to rely on that if we so want to see the heavens, right? Because it tells us that. 
So he goes on and tells us if we want to live in the light or if we want to be the light. Oh, my iPad's messing up. Sorry. In chapter 5, he goes on and encourages us that we got to live in the light. Imitate God in all that we do. Live a life filled with love following the example of Christ and who offered himself a sacrifice. And don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. Okay? People that want to water it down and say, well, that's not so bad. Don't don't take that. No, we, we've already just talked about it in Ephesians 4. That anything rooted in anger and bitterness is not of God. If it's not rooted in love, we know that that's not of God, so we got to get there. So carefully determine what pleases the Lord. And if there's evil intentions, they'll be exposed because when the light shines on them, the light makes everything visible. And this is what's truth. So then Paul goes into the wife and husband relationship and how we should be submissive to each other. And what I like about this, you know, the women sometimes get like, he says for the women to be submissive to the husband, but it, he doesn't leave the husband out because he tells the husband he needs to be submissive to the wife and love her like Christ loved the church. And men sometimes want to read over this, but here's what we have to look. Just as Christ loved the church because he gave his life for her. And he says her in reference to the church. Husbands, your wife is your queen. You need to love your wife like she's the greatest thing you give. And my wife is my gift from God, and I know that. I've, I've said that in, in my other podcasts. God made that very clear to me. And if we love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, then God will make it clear that your wife is your gift. And if, as Christ loves the church and gave his life for the church, then our wife, if we love Christ like we're supposed to, we'll love our wife like we're supposed to, and we'll see that same kind of love for her. And that's why my wife says, I want you to love God first and foremost with all your heart because that means you'll love me like you're supposed to. And so when Paul writes about the married relationship, he leaves nothing uncovered in how devoted it's supposed to be. And in Ephesians 6, he talks about the children obeying their parents, but he says this to the fathers as well. Don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Because if we treat them harshly, we're going to push them away. And I've seen that happen more than once. And I actually work with young adults now who've been through that life. And I was in that mode one time till one of my sons finally let me have it and woke me up 
And I mean, it totally wrecked me. That's another one of my episodes on the reckoning. And when he woke me up, I'm telling you, it changed my life forever. And just the other day, I thanked him again for waking me up. Because I needed that. I needed that to wake me up because I don't ever want to be that that father who provokes my kids to anger because my kids are my life. That's one of the things that my wife loved about me is how much my kids meant to me. So he says in six, work with enthusiasm as though you're working for the Lord rather than for people. That's Ephesians 6, verse 7. And man, sometimes, you know, some of us that have jobs, <laughs> we really need to remember that because I know our jobs can be testing. And if we remember who we're working for, in the grand scheme of things, we're working for the Lord, not man. No matter what job we're doing, God provided that job for us, so let's remember we're working for God. When the stuff hits the fan, we'll just, I'm doing this for the Lord. I'm doing this for the Lord, you know. I have to tell myself all that a lot of times. So we are going to close this with getting dressed. You know, in the mornings, we always get dressed. And that's physically. We prepare ourselves for the day. But here, how many of us really get dressed for the spiritual day. And I, I really think, you know, I my wife and I pray before she goes to work, and I think a lot of times we need to just remember we need to get spiritually dressed. And Paul gets us spiritually dressed for the day in Ephesians 6, starting at verse 10. He reminds us that we need to be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Remember who you are. You have the power, the same power that rose Christ from the dead. That's in chapter 2. And get dressed. Put on God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil because we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly realms. We're not fighting against people so much as we are the principalities of the dark. So we need to get dressed spiritually every day as well. So we need to put on the full armor of God, okay? So when you're praying, you need to pray these scriptures, you know? So put on the belt of truth and the body armor of Christ's righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all those, hold up the shield of faith to stop those fiery arrows from the devil and put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion. So get dressed in the full armor because especially you got to have your shield of faith to stop those fiery arrows. You need that helmet of salvation on you and that breastplate of righteousness. You need those things because the enemy's going to attack your head. Headshots are, are where he's going to go because if he can attack your mind, He's going to win. So make sure we're wearing that helmet of salvation, the salvation in the Lord. By grace through faith, you are saved. You are the 
chosen one. You are God's masterpiece. And Paul is reminding all of us in the Ephesians here that all that is good. So remember all that and know that the Lord loves you and that you can be dressed. And may God's grace be eternally upon you who love our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is Monday, the start of your work week. Remember to get dressed in the full armor of God this week. And let's just praise the Lord. Can we do that and be ready in all circumstances and remember who we are in Jesus and know what amazing things he can do through us, through his great power that's within us. This week belongs to you. I declare it in the name of Jesus and trust in God. Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday. Oh, I trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never Never fail.